We are live. We'll give people a chance to get in here real quick. And I'm going to tell you what, this side profile view is not my best. Let me suck in a little bit more. All right, man, this is uh, Jackson Uncensored with Clay Edwards. This is uh, the Save Jackson podcast, the Clay Edwards show, whatever I want to call it. Tonight, I'm joined by Stephen Utroska with the Freedom Caucus Network. State Freedom Caucus State Network. State Freedom Caucus Network. Let me get that right. Uh, Stephen has been, well, we, we've been known each other for, I guess, about a year now. Yep. And uh, you fill in for Mike every now and then, Mike Madison at WYAB. You were a host, uh, co not a co-host, uh, a guest on there with him for yeah, a we while. Yeah, we did a program every Thursday, an hour on a show every Thursday for about a year before that. So Yeah, uh, so that's how I was introduced to you. And that man, that's good stuff there. And you were, what, with Americans for Prosperity initially? I was, yep. For two years, I was at AFP, and I left there back in November and uh, joined the State Freedom Caucus Network, and so I've been there since then. So tell people, uh, before we jump into the nuts and bolts of our conversation, like, what is the Freedom Caucus Network, the State Freedom Caucus Network? Right. So the idea started out, uh, so there is the the U.S. House Freedom Caucus in Congress. Uh, they was started back in 2015 by people... Uh, Jim DeMint, uh, Mark Meadows, um, uh, you know, and a handful of other, you know, kind of, you know, pretty popular uh, conservatives, but hard, staunch conservatives weren't going to give it up. Liberty-minded uh, folks. Liberty-minded folks, yep. And um, they they realized that there was not a good platform, I guess, or a, you know, of course, they call it a caucus now, but there wasn't a good group of those guys working together. So they they take a vote, and Jim DeMint says him and Mark Meadows were you know friends, and they were you know taking they were both representatives in the U.S. House, and they were taking votes, and Mark Meadows would vote no on something, and Jim DeMint would vote yes on something, and then afterwards they'd get together and be like, hey, why'd you vote this way or whatever? And I'm like, oh man, okay, you should have told me that. And so it's basically just miscommunication between some of these guys, and so they said we got to do something, you know, we have to pack together to do something so that we can start voting together on these things, or we'll never win this war against the establishment. And so uh, they came up, um, you know, conceived this idea of the uh, U.S. House Freedom Caucus. So it was launched back in 2015, uh, and they started, you know, growing and growing and growing. Uh, the they don't publish the membership list of the House Freedom Caucus um, for strategic reasons, basically sure. because they don't want the leadership to know how many people are in it, how many votes they have on certain votes, and things like that. Um, so they don't publish it, but they're somewhere right around 40 now. So they grew the original membership was nine. They grew from nine to 40. Um, and I tell people it's pretty good here in Mississippi. Mississippi Freedom Caucus started with six. It's six out of 122 House members. They had nine out of 435. So, you know, uh, when you're looking at numbers there, Mississippi House Freedom Caucus actually has a larger percentage uh, than the U.S. House Freedom Caucus did when they started. But uh, so they, they're kind of our parent organization, uh, the U.S. House Freedom Caucus. So, of course, they launched, uh, been very successful. Um, Jim DeMint, when he left, he actually left the House and went to the Senate for two terms, and then uh, or for one term. And then when he left Senate, he decided he wanted to start an organization to help uh, be basically a think tank for the U.S. House Freedom Caucus. So he started Conservative Partnership Institute, and uh, CPI basically helps launch other groups. And uh, so uh, a friend of mine, uh, Andy uh, Roth, was with Club for Growth, another large national conservative organization. Uh, he had actually started telling me about the idea a few years ago when he was at Club for Growth. 
you said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, launching kind of with Jim to Mint under CPI, the State Freedom Caucus Network. You know, you guys have a Mississippi Freedom Caucus uh, down in Mississippi. I'd like to learn more how you work at the state level uh, to kind of almost uh, mirror what the U.S. House Freedom Caucus is doing in, in D.C. We want to see how you're doing in the states because we want to take the model that you guys have in Mississippi and spread that across the country in every state capital. And so, of course, I left AFP and, um, you know, joined uh, Andy once uh, the State Freedom Caucus Network launched. They launched uh, officially in December. And then Georgia was the first State Freedom Caucus to join the network as a member. Uh, Mississippi Freedom Caucus was the second uh, State Freedom Caucus to join as a member. We now have seven members, uh, seven State Freedom Caucuses across the country. Uh, we've got about five more that are in the queue to join the network before the end of the year. So we'll have um, you know, somewhere around 12 by the end of the year. And then our goal is by the end of next year to have 20. So we're talking about, you know, anybody that's listening that, that knows about Mississippi politics, you're talking about uh, Dana Criswell, Steve Hopkins, Dan Eubanks, uh, Joel Baumgar from, you know, right here north, uh, north of us in Madison. Uh, Brady Williamson is in Oxford. Uh, Chris Brown is up in the Tupelo, Amory area. I mean, so these are the guys making up. Um, we also in Mississippi, so I, I'm, I'm a, a representative for the network, uh, but Mississippi is at one of our members. And so I just help support them. I'm not paid by the Mississippi Freedom Caucus, but I certainly promote them. Uh, they also don't publish their membership list. They only publish their officers. So those that I have mentioned have been officers in the Freedom Caucus. Yeah. So you can look that up and see those, but we don't publish the list for the same strategic reasons. So the leadership never knows how many we have. So how many are there now? I mean, so, without naming the list, obviously. Yeah, so we have, um, so I'm not going to tell you the number either. Um, we have, right now, there's six of them that have been published. There's six members that have been published. Uh, we have uh, several more that are not published. Um, we also have, uh, and when I say we, I mean the caucus, sure. you know, so I'm not part of it uh, officially. Well, but I say we when I talk about Mississippi State football. Yeah, there you uh, go. Clearly, I'm not part of the team, yeah. but it's my team. So. Uh, well, the Freedom Caucus is my team, you know. Yeah. Um, so they actually came out and endorsed a candidate who's running in a special election, House District 37 right now, David Chisholm. Um, so he's a, a liberty-minded fighter uh, for the Columbus area here in Mississippi. So his election will be uh, November 8th, coinciding with the uh, you know the federal um, midterm election. So it's a special election he's filling in. When he wins, because I think that he you know that he will. Uh, it's pub it'll be public because he was endorsed by the caucus and running in the caucus uh, uh, or with their endorsement, he'll become a member too. Um, so he'll be the newest member when he wins his election yeah. on November 8th. Um, but Young Americans for Liberty is a great organization, national organization uh, that I'm a big fan of. I've supported them for a long time. Uh, they're mostly college campuses. <laughs> Uh, they weren't around when I was in college, uh, but uh, they're kind of the from the Ron Paul revolution started. Uh, they came out and endorsed David uh, at the end of last week. So they'll be basically deploying college kids from all over the country in to help, you know, campaign for well, him. Well, we need that, man. Oh, man. It, it's so. I mean, that, what, and to go back just a little bit. Yeah. This, just to tell people, this is the grassroots stuff we always talk about. You know, we got, you know, I think I've heard you say it, and I don't, I'm sure you've got it from somebody else too. Um, you're never gonna change uh, if we're worried about Senate and House and this and that. Man, if we can't change stuff at the grassroots level, it's gonna do that two or three times. By the yeah, way, that's okay. my dryer. I, made the, <laughs> I had the bright idea to to dry a blanket instead of wait until later. So 
my yeah. apologies. Well, for I was going to, so I ignored it the first time. Yeah. And I thought actually it was my headphones <laughs> and you weren't making any movement. So I was like, maybe it is my headphones. I'm I was trying to, keep, no, I'm trying to no sell it. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to keep rolling with it. You know, that's, I mean, we're used to that at the station. Yeah. You get stuff coming in you know, the background all the time. You just got to keep rolling with it. So I'm going to pretend I don't hear it. The listeners heard it. Man, it must be their sound system or something. Well, somebody told me, it's like, if you make a mistake, don't even acknowledge it. Just keep pushing and, yeah. and, and going. Which I'm, <laughs> I'm not very good at that. I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm a complete idiot. I have my moments. Don't get me wrong. But every now and then, I'm like, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's cool. So the the college campuses, obviously, <clears throat> people mess with me a lot about, okay, why are you on TikTok? Why are you talking about TikTok and Instagram and all these things? You're supposed to be uh, protesting all that. I don't want to get involved in echo chambers. I want to be where the next generation is. Cause I wish I'd been, I mean, my parents did a good job with me, I believe as far as raising me as a conservative, raising yeah. me right. So to say, and, but I want to be where the younger generation is. Who do I have a chance of changing their mind and keeping them going down the right path? I don't really want to do the echo chamber thing while I, I love my team and I'm glad we're all on the same team. I don't, I, I, I want to get people who may be on the fence. Yeah, that's right. You know, the swing voter. Right. And I mean, that's what, so Young Americans for Liberty, that's what they started for. They were there to get on college campuses to make sure these students who are completely indoctrinated by the woke left that are on college campuses, pretty much no matter what college campus you're on. Um, but they started so that they could pull these kids in and teach them about Ron Paul's policies, about being a liberty minded conservative Republican or, you know, whatever. And uh, so, you know, I actually ran for a state house seat back in 2018. Uh, Young Americans for Liberty was just starting up this new initiative they had to help get liberty-minded people elected. And so I was the first one in Mississippi to get their endorsement. And they came in and, you know, college kids from all over, great, you know, great kids. And all, that's all they want to do is make sure they get people elected. And it's so important. They they realized that pretty much at the same time that Andy Roth with the network, the State Freedom Caucus Network, started realizing that, you know, it's a difficult fight to win back our country Hold that thought. Yep. I'm going. This is why I didn't want to use my damn phone. I almost called you, my mom. Is that your mom calling? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, Sorry about that, folks. Technical difficulties. I'm using my phone tonight as the camera, and um, when your mom calls, it never fails. So this is what really is. So I'm, you know, so I'm filling in for Mike Madison now on the show. Uh, Mike's been gone for a couple weeks now. It'll probably be another couple weeks. So Clay is testing my ability to keep my composure with all these things jumping out at me. That's what it is. Well, you know, in, in the spirit of Halloween, this is like the the boo. And yeah. The, you know, like somebody trying to jump out from around the corner and scare you. <laughs> but, I mean, when you do these things live, you, there's no telling what you're going to run across. And that's one thing I've learned over the years, just keep pushing just forward. Keep rolling. And I don't want to use my iPad, but with this – so for the benefit of those who aren't paying attention, the – my, my camera is my phone. It's a wireless thing that I use where it'll stream to my computer and then do this restream program. So I kind of just have to make it work. The, yeah. camera, the phone is a much better camera than the iPad and the, because the iPad will have a little lag and it's a little blurry and it's supposed to be top of the line. But as, as you know, you would think that with the iPad, it's huge. There should be no reason for the... <laughs> there should be no reason for the camera not to be any bigger than it is. Uh, we just—I feel like I'm at a circus tonight, man. My apologies. <laughs> no, it's My good. Apologies. Look, so don't be fooled by all this fancy stuff you see in the camera. Behind that is an iPhone hooked up to a cord with dogs running around. Yeah. In, in Clay's living room. Yeah, I mean we've got it big in here. I'm actually going to fix one thing while we're uh, while we've already so. The ship. 
well, look, I'm going to keep talking and telling people about Young Americans for Liberty because I want them to know about this. So pretty much at the same time, uh, YOW, as it's affectionately called, YOW, and, and, you know, for the network that I work for, the State Freedom Caucus Network, almost at the same time, they start realizing that, hey, we're not going to win this country back at the top. Winning in D.C. is, you know, we've been fighting in D.C., we've been fighting politicians. Uh, it's such an uphill battle in D.C., so the better goal is not to win back the country at the top at D.C., is to win it at the state level. And so Young Americans for Liberty started saying, hey, we're going to put liberty-minded legislators in every capital. And they had like a three-year goal of getting 250 of them elected, and they hit that goal, helping get that many elected. So they came in, and, and, and my election helped. Uh, they did a phenomenal job. Uh, I made it into a runoff. I was in an open seat election. There was five of us in it. I made it into a runoff with another guy, and then he beat me. Uh, in the runoff, uh, which is, you know, not what I was wanting, but uh, it's just, you know, politics. But um, they have continued to do that. They have pretty much all of our Freedom Caucus members here in Mississippi have been supported by YOW and uh, helped in their reelections when they came up for reelection in 19. They're helping uh, David Chisholm now, so hopefully helping him get, get elected and he'll become another member of the Mississippi Freedom Caucus. But uh, it's at the state level. And that's why, you know, when I go on Mike's show or, I, you know, talk on any other show, most of what I talk about is state politics, you know, state policy and state politics, because more of your life is decided by what happens in Jackson under the dome than it is in D.C. But 90 percent of what you hear and see, especially on you know, media, is about what's happening in D.C. And, and all it is, D.C. is just a complete theater. I mean, everything they do up there is theatrics. You know, they the you see the sh the shouting matches between legislators. The, you know, the, the House members yelling at each other. Well, off the air, when the camera turns off, they're going and having a beer together. Yeah. You know, now they've got to keep it up for their constituents back home. They got to say, "Hey, I'm fighting this leftist," and you know, the progressive is saying, "Oh, I'm fighting this you know dirty capitalist you know pig or whatever." And then off off the air, they're making backroom deals. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, I. I I do not play well with others when it comes to this Democrat. I can't. I, I they, these people are my enemy. Yeah, they. I don't know. Did you grow up a wrestling fan? <laughs> yeah, actually, I went to the Coliseum several times when I was a kid watching uh, WCW when they came into town. Do so. Do you remember the legendary Dusty Rhodes promo it's referred oh, yeah. to as the Hard Times promo? They talk about Ric Flair brought hard times on Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Democrats brought hot times on Clay Edwards, and, and I ain't, I don't let them forget about it, brother. Yeah, I, no, there ain't no backroom deals over here. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard speaking. to tell people on a podcast or on the radio uh, when you see memes and try to describe it to them. But there's this meme that I really like that's got kind of a stick figure drawn of two people holding hands, and it says like Bob and Sally on it, and it says like, you know, you can disagree and still be friends. You know, something, something, something. Be like Bob and Sally. Well, then some people took that and they rewrote it and it says, well, Sally's a communist and I would never hold her, you know, dirty <laughs> pig hand or whatever. You know, this is fake. And that's why they couldn't get two people you know, to actually take a picture and <laughs> hold hands. Stick yeah. yeah, they got to yeah. do stick figures. Uh, I mean, it's like, I mean, you got to think these, you know, communists, fascists, whatever they are, socialists, you know, whatever they want to put themselves in a bucket for people that want to control your life through using the government are not your friend. Well, you know, me and Mike Madison, so when we talk about Mike, we're talking about Mike Madison from WYAB, uh, 9 to 11 a.m., Monday through Friday. He's on a sabbatical right now. But me and Mike did a little, about a, I did a segment with him not too long ago, and he, he, he always talks about he can't understand how people let politics ruin friendships and family. I'm like, well, it's easy. Yeah. You know, if 
because as a conservative, I believe that if you're on the other side, your intent is to make my life miserable and hard and you hate the you hate blue collar middle class America. So I don't take it personal in the sense that you're like you're needling me. I take it that you hate America. Yeah. Well, and, and I have no I have no room for you in my life, whether you're family, friend or otherwise. No, I take it pretty personal. I mean, because they're they're they want to take the money out of my pocket. Sure. And so that's what I tell people all the time. You know, it's great. Uh, you know, if you want to help people, that's great. Do it with your money. Oh, yeah. You know, conspicuously, you know, taking my money to use it, you know, for whatever you think is the right thing to do helps me none, but it's taking food off the table for my family. So when you take money out of my pocket, that's taking food off my table. And I've got a wife and kids that I got to support. And so I take it very personal when people want to control my life and take the money that I've earned, not them, not the government. Yeah. And just to clarify, when I said not take it personal, I was referring to, I don't think they're personally attacking Clay Edwards. I'm not speaking myself in third person, but, (laughs) but they attacking my way of life. Right. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think they woke up today and say, how can I piss off Clay? But they have figured out the way to do it by attacking my way of life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all they do. I mean, they're, they're not only your way of life, but the American way of life of working hard, supporting your family and, you know, going home. And and I tell people that all the time. The problem is so many people don't want to get involved in politics or they don't have time to get involved in politics because that's what the average American does. The average American goes to work. They come home, they spend time with their family. They go to bed, they do it all over again the next day. They hit the weekend. They, they want to relax on Saturday and then they go to church on Sunday. They don't have time to get involved. But because they don't get involved, there's people who are getting involved and want to spend time getting involved who are going to take away and, and you know, destroy their way of life. No, uh, you know, speaking of that, uh, as elections get ready to come up, and I know school board's a little further away, I would be shocked if you talk about people who want to change the way of life and you start with the children. Yeah. I, I think, I don't, I, I don't even care who you are right now i don't care how, how conservative you are i'm just at a point where you need to be uprooted in the if you're on school boards we've got to start on this ground level and just we got to change that i know rylan thompson running yep. up in madison and that's america first and he's a great dude i know him personally who else is going to do it you know the, we need to change the seats at i don't want to be insulting by calling that the lowest level because it's obviously very important but the fact that nobody can name anybody on a school board right. should tell you that it may be an easy election for the right person to win. Yeah. You know, if you decided you wanted to run for something, this may be the one. Yeah. I mean, I've even thought about it and, and, and I'm a high school dropout. You should, but, but you need, I think you need that other opinion in there. I want to be in there for the culture war part, not for the nuts and bolts of mathematics and yeah, what programs right. we're putting in. Yeah. So there's a, um, you know, famous quote and I can't remember the guy's name, but he basically said, uh, you know, you can't get the right people to run for office because the right people, the best of people don't want to control their fellow man. But that's what a lot of politicians are and do is they get in that office because they want to control things. They want to get in and pass policies that are going to control your life. And that's what Jackson's doing right now. Yeah. I've heard that a lot lately uh, that, that the people who end up at the top of politics are people who are the worst of the worst. Even the guys on our side, because they were willing to do what it took yeah. to get to the top of politics. Right. And there's some truth to that. But look, I'm not electing a preacher. I'm not electing the Pope. I'm not electing a, uh, a life coach. I'm electing a politician. I need you to be dirty just on my side. 
Yeah, well. I mean, it may sound bad. Nobody may want to hear that. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. This is what I tell people all the time. I say, elect someone who will do what they actually say they're going to do when they run. Yeah, I don't I don't care. Look, actually, there's, there's some great Democrats in Jackson. And I'll tell you this. I've said it before, and so I don't mind saying it. Uh, the Democrats – in the in the Mississippi legislature, yes, the Democrats there are more honest than the Republicans are, and uh, they they have a better foundation of their belief system than the Republicans do. What's my guy's name? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. He was on Jackson City Council. Um, he's there in, in the in the uh, on the side of Fred Shanks and them. Um, drawing a, uh, anyway, great dude, yeah. great dude. Uh, he he was Marine, flew on. Air Force was it? What's the helicopter? Marine One was a Marine One okay. with, uh, yeah, with Bill Clinton, and, and and I can't believe it. he's going to kick my butt for not remembering his name. But I didn't think I was going to say his name. So, but yeah, there are some good folks there. I mean, to the point that I know you've heard the the whole thing about doing with the Jackson Water that that the um the the state representatives from Jackson were trying to get the money from the state, and the mayor's office called them all up raising seven levels of hell yeah. about, no, 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 we don't want them. All. We're trying to get this federal money. Y'all going to screw it up. You know, the state, yeah. the state will want to supervise it. Well, I just, I just want, I want politicians that will be principled, even if I don't agree with their principles. And that's how the Democrats are. I don't agree with 99.9% of what they believe in, but they stick to their principles. So when a Democrat says he's going to do something, he generally does it and I can believe him and stick to it. And so I'm not going, you know, of course I'm a registered lobbyist because I lobby, um, but when I go to the Capitol, I usually, you know, I talk to, I talk to Democrats, but I'm not asking them to change their vote because I know where they stand. I know what their principles say and what they're going to do and where their vote's going to be. The Republicans are like throwing a dart. They say one thing, they vote completely opposite to that. And you never know where they're going to be. You know, Kim Wade says it best when Democrats have control, they make generational, uh, changes. When Republicans, we're just trying to be the brakes. Just we just want yeah. to slow things down. I'm tired of slowing things down. I, I want to make generational. I want things to go back so far right that it breaks somebody's neck. Yeah. In the process. Well, I mean, look the the you know right now the Republicans we're going to shoot supermajority Republicans in both the House and the Senate. So basically that means we have we have a three fifths majority in the House of Republicans and a two thirds in the Senate. With two thirds, you can do absolutely anything you want. You can suspend the rules. You can make up new rules, you know, on the spur. Well, I'm glad you said You it, can do anything you want. We've got a quote that says, when everybody's Republican, nobody's Republican. Yep. I've heard you say it multiple times. Explain that. Yeah, so it was funny. Uh, one time when I said that, uh, I was at uh, dinner in Florida, and uh, there was myself and uh, uh, Secretary of State Michael Watson was there, and we just happened to be sitting at the dinner together, the table, the same table together. It was a, you know, there's about, I don't know, 60 or 70 people in this dinner. We just happened to be sitting at the table <laughs> at the same time together. And I said that. I said, look, in Mississippi, you know, when uh, when everybody's a Republican, no one's a Republican. And he kind of looked at me as like, well, <laughs> you know, what about me? And I was like, look, percentages wise, you know, when the percentages get so low, nobody's a Republican. Uh, so it was kind of funny. He thought I was calling him out. And I was, uh, you know, to, to an extent. But Michael Watson's, for the most part, a pretty good guy. He was when he was in the Senate. I like uh, Michael. And, and I think he's doing a good job as Secretary of State. But this is the thing. Everybody all of a sudden saw the change happening in Mississippi. 
Um, the Senate had already become a, a super majority, well, a majority, it was a simple majority of Republicans for you know a few terms in 2011. The House, everybody saw it coming that the House was about to flip over to Republican majority. And so all of a sudden you had all these Democrats to swap parties. You had all these guys who locally would have run as Democrats were swapping over to run as Republicans. They didn't change their principles. They weren't changing what they wanted. They no, weren't they changing. Didn't, they didn't wake up one one morning and finally find a Bible and a gun. Yeah, that's right. They weren't they weren't conservatives overnight. They they never were, never have been. But when they saw that everybody was moving that way to becoming a Republican, everybody just moved that way to become a Republican. Their principles didn't change, their votes didn't change, the policies didn't change, but they all just became Republicans. And so when you look at places like Arizona that's got a one-person majority of Republicans in their house and they just passed the most expansive school choice program in the country, those Republicans are fighting because they have to or they won't win. Our Republicans, they've already won as far as taking over. They've taken everything over. There's no one to push them to actually be conservatives. Well, it comes in the Freedom Caucus. Right. So in comes the Freedom Caucus. So that's what we're trying to do. Um, Yeah, the network is trying to launch Freedom Caucuses across the country. Mississippi Freedom Caucus was already a caucus set up. So we, you know, they joined as a member of the network. And so I'm here to support them and, you know, support other Freedom Caucuses across the country. But mostly since I'm here in Mississippi, I spend a lot of my time with the Mississippi Freedom Caucus. Um, and, and they're tearing things up, man. And that's what it's about. Staying principled. Those guys are a principled a hundred percent of the time, no matter what. I don't, we don't always agree. We get in arguments, you know, I get, I get in there with freedom caucus guys and we start talking about policy and we have disagreements and that's fine. But when we agree on something, we stick to it and vote that way a hundred percent of the time, every time on what our principles are. And we just go in there and use the system. We have become experts in the parliamentary rules of the legislature. So we know what rules we can use, when we can use them to stop bad you know, policies and try to get past good policies. So let me play devil's advocate a little bit here. One of the things I hear the negatives uh, from other folks is they, they won't play ball. Yeah. You, you know, and it's, and it's hard. You know what that means? We won't compromise. Absolutely. And it's hard to get things done with them because they won't play ball and it can end won't up compromise. It affects their districts negatively because nobody wants to work with them. Cause we won't compromise. I get it. I get it. Yeah. But I mean, that's right. No, I mean, that's true. So, and, and when you hear them say, you know, they're not playing nice with uh, other districts or their people back home don't like them because they're not getting things. What they're basically saying though, is they have decided to, to fight against taxes. That's their number. I mean, number one thing is taxes and we're fighting taxes. We'll never vote for a, a tax increase. And so when it comes time for local and private taxes, which is, you know, too much to try to explain on a short podcast what that means, but basically your your hotel, local, yeah. uh, restaurant, hotel taxes, things like that. They've said we're not going to vote for those, and so historically it had been that if the so like the one percent sales tax in Jackson, that's right, one percent sales tax well, in Jackson and these other places like so that. the one percent sales tax in Jackson is actually a beast of its own policy wise. That's different than anything else, but like um, in Brandon, you've got a three percent. Um, or I guess it's, I think it's a 2%. So when you go out to the restaurants, 9% tax instead of seven. Is seven, it? Yes. Yeah, so I guess I've never paid attention. Yes. Yeah, 7%. I think it's only 9%. Um, so you, you can, you can raise it up to 3% on restaurants or served food, served food, served alcohol, and then hotels. Tourism. That's right. Tourism tax. Uh, so technically that the technical name for that is a local and private tax. 
Um, so you can do, um, so I think Jackson actually has a 3% on it, but they actually have an additional 1% local sales tax that Jackson is the only one in the entire state that has that. And it's a special set aside just for Jackson. Um, so it's a little bit different, but the local and privates, the Mississippi Freedom Caucus has said, we don't vote for them. We're not going to vote for them. That's a tax increase. We're not voting for them. So they vote against everybody's. Well, then people take that personally, like, well, you voted against mine. Well, the politician, what they really want is they want to be able to get that money for their local you know, councilman, you know, their mayor. They're trying to send that money back to them so that those local governments have more, more of your money. They're taking more of your money out, you know, out so that they can use that for whatever they want to use it for. So then it has to be approved by the legislature. And so if you're not voting for it, all of a sudden you're not playing along. You're not, you know, you're not voting for my taxes when I need them. Like, no, I'm a conservative. I said, I, you know, when I ran for an election, when I ran and my constituents voted me in and elected me, I told them I would never vote for a tax increase. And that's what I'm going to do every time vote against a tax increase. So when you're trying to increase this local and private tax, I'm going to vote against it. You know, so it's the thing they say they don't play nice and their people back home don't like them. They say it all the time. Oh, those DeSoto guys. They, you know, DeSoto gets a really bad rap because there's three members of the Mississippi Freedom Caucus all that are from, from there, the yeah. DeSoto. That's the one that always comes uh, up. Yeah, DeSoto always comes up because those are, oh, their people back home don't even like them. Well, all three of those guys have won re-election. So they're not in their first term. They've gone through their first term and we're doing the exact same thing they're doing now, staying principled and not compromising. And the people voted them back in. Um, now it's very important if you stay, if you stay principled and you are not going to compromise, you have to be open and honest about what you're voting for. So when you take a hard vote, come out and say why you took a hard vote. Tell people why you stood principled. People may say, you know what? I don't agree with that but I appreciate your stance and you not wavering on your principles. People would much rather you stay principled than take a vote that's against your principles, even if that's what they believe in. Well, look, and I can respect that because that's the path that I've taken to get to where I'm at with radio and this platform is I'm, I'm not going to be the most articulate. I don't have the deepest vocabulary, any of that stuff, but I'm very principled. Yep. And, and I really don't waver on, I'm not really, don't, I don't waver on that. There's ancillary things that I can sure. have my mind changed on, but yeah. core values, they're not going nowhere. I am who I am for better or for worse. And that that's got me to where I'm at is, is being firm. I mean, I'm going to piss some people off and that's fine. I, they're not my friends anyway. They're not, it's not it's not my yeah. demo, you know? Yeah, well, I, I mean, appreciate the core value. Dana and, Criswell. So he's the, he's the current chairman. Steve Hopkins was the chairman. Um, the first chairman of the caucus, he rolled off his term, and uh, Dana Criswell became chairman now. He says this all the time. He says, I didn't go to Jackson to make friends. You know, I went to Jackson to do what I believe was the right thing to do based on my values and to represent the people that voted me in. And so I hear people all the time say, well, what if, what if your people back home – you know, called you up and said, Hey, I know this is against your principle, but we believe you should vote this way and you need to represent us. We're going to give we're, you that big shiny bridge you want. Yeah. We're your, we're your constituents and we're asking you to vote for this tax and we want this tax. I know you said you weren't going to vote for this tax when we elected you, but we want it now. You need to represent us. You need to be a representative of the people and we, the people are saying vote for this tax. Fine. Vote him out next time. Yeah. You get to speak your voice at election time. So if he if he runs on the platform of never raising taxes, never voting for a tax, and he wins, that's what he needs to go do. That's when he hears from the people about what they want is when election time comes and he says, this is what I believe in. I won't waver on this. Vote for me or not. 
if they vote for him, then he hears the voice of the people saying, we want you based on your principles and your values. So that's what he needs to do. So if you get, you know, a hundred people calling you before a vote from your, from your district and say, Hey, we know you said you would never vote for a tax, but you need to vote for this tax. This is why these are the great things that it's going to do. And he just says, no, I can't do for that. Well, then you get another hundred people call you. Well, all of a sudden you start getting, you're like, well, I'm hearing from a lot of my constituency. So most politicians in Jackson would say, you know, and there's this 10 times rule, and I talk about this all the time too, the 10 times rule, if you get two people call you, it's almost like getting 20 people call you. If you get 100 people call you, that's like half your district calling yeah. you, you know. And so they they say, hey, I've heard, you know, I've heard from half my district now, and they all want me to vote for this tax, but I campaign saying I'd never vote for tax, but they want me to vote for this tax. I better do it. One, it's, you know, they're probably lying about the number, you know, because of the 10 times rule. But the other thing is, no, stick stick to your principles. Don't do what the people say in the moment. Stick to your principles. If you ran on a platform of saying you would never vote for taxes, don't vote for taxes. If they don't agree with the vote you made, they'll vote you out at election time. Well, what about the other half that assume you're a man of your word and they don't have to call you because that's what you ran on and they put their faith in you? That's right. 100%. That's right. Yeah, they're not going to call you because they knew that you were a man of your word. And when they voted for you, the 51 percent at least, you know, you had to get well, you had to get 50 percent plus one vote to win. So at least 50 percent plus one voted for you because of what you said you were going to do. And so you just stick to that. Yeah, no, I, I like it. Again, it's it's going to be hard to make everybody happy because that's not what you're there to do. Right. You know, stick by what you voted for. So I, I'm glad that you went down this road with talking about the taxes and, and, and what the, the caucus does. Let me, let, this is a Jackson based show. I got, sure. I got to get to it. Let's talk about the Jackson water yep. and should, should the state step in and help to me? The answer is absolutely not. Should the state step in and help? Should Mississippi burden some of the cost because it's the capital? What is the caucus thing? Yeah. So, well, I can't speak for the caucus because uh, I'm not That's a representative fine. of the caucus um, you know, for, for the network. I work for the network. But, uh, yeah, so my personal belief is, and I don't know that the network would necessarily have a position on this anyway, so my personal belief you, is. He's here on behalf of himself, too, tonight. I not, am. Not, not the network, but you were yeah. involved in it is what it is. So um, my personal belief is uh, that uh, if you vote for socialist and you live in socialism, you should not be surprised. So people in Venezuela voted for socialists. Venezuela is a very prosperous country. They voted in socialists, and now they live in socialism, and they're eating the zoo animals because they have nothing to eat. One of that UBI. And so you have else. you have people in Jackson that have, you know, I mean, self-proclaimed Marxist, have voted in Marxist, and now they're surprised when they're living in, in a third world country like Venezuela with socialism. They don't have water to drink. They, the zoo, you know, hopefully they won't break into the zoo and start eating zoo animals, but the zoo hadn't been good for years. You know, I mean, so you, and, and I just joke about the zoo, but I mean, they don't have water infrastructure. The garbage is not getting picked up. You know, they just cut a last minute deal to get garbage pickup. I mean, you're and talking about shady as hell to begin with. Look, you're talking about, you know, at the very elemental things that a, municipal, a municipality is supposed to provide, if they can't provide that, why do you need a municipality to take all your taxes? Policing, water, basic infrastructure. Jackson has nothing to hang its hat on. Right. None of the nothing. basic things that they're, that they're supposed to provide is a municipality. Look, one of the things when uh, – so I went through this. I, I, I 
So I lived down in Hattiesburg uh, in Lamar County, uh, outside of the city limits. I lived down there for six years, and that's where I ran for office. And uh, the city was trying to annex the area that I was living in. So, I mean, nobody wants to – nobody lives in the county hoping that the city annexes them. Everybody lives in the county because they want to be outside of the city limits. Um, and I grew so, up in Byram and right on the edge, and Jackson and Byram went round and round and round yeah. and round. And finally, my neighborhood got given to Jackson as a compromise. Right. So, to, to your point, yeah. I 100% so agree. One of the things you have to do as a municipality, as a city, when you want to annex a new area is there's a list of like seven things you have to prove to the judge that you are going to provide for this area better than the services that they're already getting. And so you have to provide, you know, garbage, sewage, you know, water, uh, you know, education, all these things you have to prove oh, yeah, that you're going to provide those. So again, you look at that and say, well, you know, so if you're in the city of Jackson and you wanted to uh, un, you know, zone yourself, I don't know what the term for that is, but, uh, you know, uh, reverse annex yourself, take yourself out of the city of Jackson, you know, logically, I don't know if that's true, but logically to me, you, you, maybe you'd have to prove the same things, the same things that they have to prove to annex you. So to say, hey, if we, if we left the city of Jackson, would we have better water? Probably, you know, especially if you went into Rankin County, better water, better garbage, better schools. You know, I mean, all the essential services you would have better by not being in the city of Jackson. If that's true, why do you have a municipality? I mean, for them to annex, they have to prove all those things. So you would think that, you know, if you live in the city and they aren't providing those essential things that the government has decided to be a municipality, you have to provide those essential things. If you can't do that better than, than what they would be without it, maybe you shouldn't be a city. Yeah, you know, um, Chip Matthews, and I, I love Chip, and he says a lot of crazy things, but one of the things he said that really makes a lot of sense to me is, and I don't know if it'll ever happen, but maybe more so than the state doing a takeover of the city, what if you you shrink Jackson's footprint? And, you know, and you start letting some of these rural areas go you know, back into the county or let Clinton take part of Jackson. I don't Ridgeland. know if Hines County is any better than Jackson, is it? No, no, it would have to be, I mean, it would have to be something again, like Ridgeland or Madison take North Jackson right. County line road. Yeah. Some other, you're going to have to minimize the footprint and, and they're kind of doing that from the inside out with the capital city improvement That's district. Right. Yeah. And once they get their own judges and stuff over there, it's going to be the real deal. I mean, I'm a big, big fan of what they're doing there. And uh, Tate Reeves <clears throat> as much as he possibly could has got me back in the, in the camp because of the work they've done with the Jackson water yep. and with the capital city improvement district. Somebody brought up a good point the other day. We've gone back and forth who would run against Tate, who is running it, running against Tate. And uh, somebody said to me, who, who's going to get to the right of Tate right now? Nobody. I don't think you can. I mean, Nobody. Uh, my Fred Shank said, you know, he's having his Haley Barber Katrina moment here with, the Jackson yeah, water right. and, and all that. And I just, I don't think you can get to the right of him. No, well, I don't, I don't think you try it. I point. don't think his, you know, I mean, during COVID certainly he had some executive orders that I didn't agree with. Touche. Uh, but I, I don't think that there's any politician in Mississippi that's even, even remotely in a position where they could run against Tate that has ever been able to get right of Tate. Um, you know, Philip Gunn, Speaker of the House, he has looked at and has, you know, certainly gone down the, the, you know, political landscape of, of wanting to run against Tate Reeves. And, uh, and actually, it, it has, I think, benefited the Mississippi House because uh, he is trying to get right of Tate, and he can't, but it's bringing him further to the right than I think he would be otherwise. Um, 
So, no, I don't think you're going to beat Tate. I don't think there's anybody that can beat Tate. Um, and, you know, I'm one of those people, people ask me all the time, you know, do you support so-and-so? I'm like, well, they're a politician, so if they're voting for the right policy, I'm supporting them. When they're voting against the wrong policy, I'm not supporting them. You know, I'm very policy-based, so I don't throw my name behind anybody wholesale because they're always going to do something stupid along the way, you know, that I'm not going to support. Um I, I very much supported uh, Tate Reeves uh, during his uh, gubernatorial election back in 2019. He had been one of the best, if not the best, lieutenant governors we've had in my lifetime in Mississippi. Um, he wasn't perfect then either. There was things I disagreed with him when he did there, but he was by far the best I had ever seen in my lifetime as a lieutenant governor. And so I had you know, all the hopes in the world that he would continue doing that Um you know, during his uh, his first term as governor, uh, and if you look at um, you know the people that were running against him, you know there wasn't a whole lot there. Um, so I mean, I, you Jim know, Hood for on the Democrat oh, side, yeah, you know, that was a negative. Um, so you know, I, I supported him and I thought he was going to do good things, but you got you got to remember, like in his first year, you know, so he was elected in nineteen, you know, took term office in January twenty twenty, and then there was like you know a. a couple massive tornadoes hit Mississippi in 2020, early 2020. There was a hurricane yeah. that hit the coast, you know, not a, not a real significant hurricane, but a hurricane that hit the coast where he declared an act, you know, a state emergency. Uh, and then in March we hit COVID. So, I mean, you know, the guy had a tough time. You know, also what fell in his time period was the flag change. And, 100%. And, and for better or for worse, which I was for change. I just want to be on the record. I'm for far changing the flag. It, I'd had no connection to that we have a representative government yeah and we sent representatives there and that's what they voted to do and for better or worse that's what happened yeah so i you know that's a long story and we could go into the the complicated uh, policy issue of the flag change that i didn't support the way they did things there's a lot of people that didn't um and really more on parliamentary and so when i say parliamentary that's just the fancy word for like the rules of the house and the yeah. rules of the senate the way they did things with the flag change um, I didn't agree with. I don't like the flag that we ended up with. I would have liked to have had more say so. Yeah, no, and, you know, and I actually, um, you know, I, I just stayed out of the flag fight. Uh, I you know, publicly didn't say anything. I was with Americans for Prosperity at that time. I didn't say anything at all. AFP certainly didn't care about the flag, which way it went, one way or the other. Um, like I said, personally, I was against the way they did things. Um, I think that they you know, potentially broke some laws and rules in the way they did it, but nobody cared. When you, again, when you have a supermajority of Republicans, you got two thirds votes, you can do anything you want. Do you think really anybody, no do you think anybody lost their seat or is going to lose their seat over it? Yeah, I do. I do think there's going to be some, I think there's some challengers that are coming up that I've talked to um, challengers for some incumbents. And I don't like many of the incumbents, not because of the flag. I care less about the flag, sure. but, um, based on other policies that they've done or them just being lackluster representatives and just there to be there and they you know take up a seat and vote however somebody tells them to vote. Um, I think there's going to be a surprising amount of people that will run against incumbents on that very topic and win. Yeah, you know, if I was going to run against Tate, kind of bouncing back a little bit here, what I would run on is who closed churches, who said that you are you were a, a – important or non-important business, essential or non-essential yeah. business. I would remind everybody of that. I would, I would stroll the video of that black pastor that they trotted out there and basically had to bribe him to shut his church down. There's a lot of things that happened during COVID that if I was going to run against him, these are the things that I would use against him. And, uh, but 
you can't live in the past. And I, and I kind of how I feel about the flag. Well, I'll tell you, voters have short memories about things, but for some reason, the flag has hit a chord has. with many rural voters that they do not forget and have not forgotten. And, you know, so, I, you know, I'm in the grassroots uh, arena. I go out and talk to a lot of people, um, you know, all over the state. And let me tell you, the flag is one of those things that they have not forgotten. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, but if, if I was – if I was running against an incumbent that had voted to change the flag, that would be on everything I sent out because I think that you'll get, um, there's so many voters that are, um, you know, single issue voters. And I think that single issue right there will get you, you know, 40 or, you know, 40 or 42% of the uh, constituency of a lot of rural areas. Yeah. You know, and, and they've made up for it in some places with their tax cuts, but I don't want to award somebody for giving me the money they stole back. Right. Well, and it was a, it was a, it was a tax cut, but uh, I don't know if you heard the show this morning. I was talking with Douglas Carswell on, on the Mike Masson show this morning and, and we kind of discussed the income tax a little bit. So they just, it was a reduction of your income tax and the reduction, the, the plan is a four year plan and over four years, it steps down the income tax and it doesn't do, it's not a complete elimination. It just no. steps it down for basically 5% of, I can't remember the exact number, three and a half percent, I think. Um, but as it steps down, that's, that's over four years. It steps down. It's not immediate, uh, in that time period, the revenue impact to the state of Mississippi is a little over $400 million. Well, we're, you know, July 1st, the fiscal year. So we're, you know, July, August, September, October, we're four months into the new fiscal year and we're 240 million above estimates this year alone. So that tax cut that they're all patting themselves on the back for, uh, the Freedom Caucus were highly, highly, and very loudly fighting for a complete tax elimination, uh, and we got this little cut. And of course, all the politicians are saying it's the biggest tax cut in Mississippi history, and they're patting themselves on the back for it. And, and it's certainly a step in the right direction. Don't get me wrong; I, you know, I'm glad that it happened. It's better than nothing, but it it took so much political capital under the dome to get this tax cut. And what they will shave off state revenues after four years implementation, they just made back in four months. You know, half of it at least, half of it back in four months, what they're going to give. So they're giving you your money back over a four-year time period. They're going to cut your taxes down. But the amount of revenue they just made from it, they made up in four months. So it seems like, you know, again, they're, they're all going, you know, when they run for re-election, that will be on their postcard. Every mailer that they send out, every you know Facebook post or tweet in support of their campaign is going to be that I helped you know voted for and supported the largest tax cut in Mississippi history. But it's kind of a sham, really. Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it. But it's kind of like I'm gonna shift gears a little bit here. It's kind of like this Brett Favre Phil Bryant thing. Yeah, and, and the welfare money. You know, the state stole that money from me. Yeah. I don't really care who stole it from them. Yeah. I just, I, I, I don't care. So I know everybody says, oh, well, there's corruption. If it was you, you know, you'd be in jail. And you're absolutely right. I would be. But I'm just having a hard time getting fired up fighting for the guy that stole the money from me. Yeah. That being the state. Right. I, I, sorry. I just don't care. And then if we're talking about the welfare side of it, it there's a lot. I, I'm not a fan of that. So if it kept it from getting in certain people's hands, well, then so be it. That's life in the big cities, yeah. Tim Wade would say. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. You know, I really haven't followed that. I get a lot of people, especially on the national side, that ask me, you know, what's going on down there? Because they see all the publicity nationally about it. And I'm like, man, I don't know. Mississippi is the most corrupt state in the country. You know, and, and I can't remember who does that, you know, who, who does those numbers and how they come up with it. But there's one of the outlets that does, you know, a corruption chart. And Mississippi and Louisiana are always fighting each other for the most corrupt in the country. Yeah. And it's like, that's just another day here in Mississippi. If you spend time in the capital in Jackson, spend a couple of days up there during session. And anybody that has never been up there, feel free to reach out to me. I'm there almost every day during session. And I'd love to show you around and, and let you, you know, introduce you to some of the crooked politicians up there. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's just how it is. The backroom deals are made all the time. Money is spent, you know, all the time wrongly for what it was originally designed for. You know, they originally stole it from you, Clay, because they wanted to give it to the poor people. But then some corrupt politicians in Mississippi spent it for a volleyball stadium. So what? I mean that. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that that's not. I mean, uh, you know. But people, that's my thought process on it. I just, yeah. First, I'm. This is going to sound bad. I'm just not a fan of the poor people, um, not the ones that refuse to do better for themselves. The, the, the oppressed for a living folks. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan, and I don't really care if they got their welfare money took from them or not. Yeah, well, they're getting their money. Yeah, they're still getting it. So it's yeah. a moot point. I mean, that money. Uh, that that money wasn't directly going to them anyways it was supposed to be going to programming for them it was supposed to be going to i mean you could use it for facilities or something like that to you know facilitate programs with it with the with a big chunk of it that went to super talk <laughs> that, that, yeah. that probably i mean to me now that seems like a real waste of damn money yeah no i think they and think not just because so. they're a competitive talk radio station but just period it seems for psas and and advertising oh, for what unreal. that's a waste of money yeah oh no doubt i mean so um john polk is a senator down in the hattiesburg area and uh and and i'm not you know supporting him or, or saying anything because he's you know he and i go back and forth on a lot of things but uh, one of the things that he has been fighting for in jackson for a long time is he says politicians in office cannot use tax dollars to promote themselves during an election year only during election year so three years you know three years out of every term, the first three years of a four-year term, they could spend all the tax dollars they want. And, you know, you hear it, ag commissioner, oh, AG, they all it. do I, it. I like Andy, but that's the first person that comes oh, to mind. Man. He has made a rock star of himself, as would I, if, if if I had the unlimited budget to promote myself. Right. You would see I Clay mean, Edwards everywhere. Well, you know, I think that's funny. You go to the pump, he's got the sticker that says, you know, has his name on it everywhere. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, they, they, they use – state tax dollars to promote them their their own name is really what they're doing now to put you know they, they put it under public service announcement but they're saying something true to the state but nobody hears that they just hear andy gibson mm -hmm. you know and again we're not you know beating on andy but he certainly uses he's the best know, at it he loves to use money yeah. for it um lynn fitch was doing the same thing she kept using a bunch of money for it uh, david mccray's bad about doing it too you know as a treasurer but they all spend that money and uh, John Polk, Senator John Polk, tried to introduce a bill that basically just said you can't do that during an election year because it becomes even increasingly obvious what you're doing with that money during an election year. You're just promoting yourself so that everybody can hear you, and then they go on vote for you during election year. He has introduced that bill, I think, at least four out of the last five years, and it has never once, I think, I think it has made it out of committee once or twice. It has never even made it up for a floor vote course not and he's not saying you can't do it all together yeah just on election year just an election year you can't promote yourself using tax dollars and they won't vote it in look man i'll tell you it's one of the things i love about having a show at wyb and how committed to his position that that matt was oh, yeah. the owner of the station is i could 
I could sell ads to the folks down at the fairgrounds to promote stuff, you know, and, and other state folks that I've gotten in well with. I, they would sponsor stuff, uh, other cities sure. that do concerts, this, that, and the other. We don't take a penny of taxpayer money yep. to promote anything on our radio station. And that's why we're allowed to get on there and take Mike Guest to, to task and yep. everybody else. And we're allowed to say the things we did. We were allowed to go against COVID and the vaccine and all these other things because we don't take a penny from them. All of that's our right. money is 100% funded by small businesses yep. and our listeners who are just as important part of that cog of that wheel because they support the small businesses right. that support us. Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually, I was talking with Matt today about, it and I was asking him, you know, how, how well received a lot of their uh, sponsorships are. And he said, small businesses by far love it because he said every, every time they go to one of their sponsors and eat lunch or whatever. And, uh, and of course, you know, Matt likes to, you know, uh, support uh, his sponsors uh, there you go. Well, I'm going to use them as an example here in just a second. A one. Yeah. Auto. So, I mean, but those sponsors, those small businesses see the return on that. That's why they keep advertising on it because, and I, I say it a lot of times when I get on the show, when I'm filling in for Mike, is I say, Hey, go out and support these because we can't do what we do on the radio unless you continue to support these small businesses and let them know that you heard the radio program, you know, and heard, heard their name on the show. Because if you're not going and supporting them, then they're not going to buy ads. And if they're not buying ads, then we're not taking government money. And so, you know, Matt plays like the little ad that he runs and says, you know, WIB is a hundred percent sponsored by, uh, you know, small businesses. We don't take a dime from the, the government. I'll tell you super talk, you know, again, who is, you know, is a competitor. Uh, I think the last number I saw was like $8 million that they're taking annually, uh, by, by doing these PSA announcements. Well, I heard a PSA back there in peak COVID of some of their, announcers or their 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 host promoting go out and get vaccinated yeah and how much were they paid for that no you, tell you know what i mean and because i'm sure they weren't doing it out of the goodness of their hearts and I, i'm not just picking on super talk because it's going on all over the place but that's they, where it's going on at here locally and they are easy to pick on well they are <laughs> they are you know and look they are what they are and i, I just love that we were able to stand firm yeah and and that we have an owner like matt you know, one of the last of the Mohicans yep. when it comes to an independent talk radio owner that's not controlled by anybody. It's a one station family. Yeah. And uh, well, that's I mean, that's like so many there. so many businesses and corporations you see, you know, so, you know, the the small grocer has gone the wayside, you know, with big you know, grocery, you know, groceries coming in, Walmart stuff. And I think as a capitalist, I think that's great because Walmart has been able to revolutionize things and get prices lower than any other grocery store in you know the history of man has ever been able to do they i mean they have incredible systems the way they ship stuff out and all that amazon's coming in now doing that i love watching watching logistics but, yeah I enjoy logistics oh it's, yeah it's interesting um so you know as these big businesses grow that's just you know, that's that's part of our free market that we have uh but for someone in a radio show uh, or in the in the industry in the radio industry it's just like that you get you know all these iheart stations that are taken over you got the super talks of the world uh that super talk i don't know i've got 15 stations that they've taken over in mississippi so they cover all the you know all of mississippi or whatever uh, you can basically ride but, the whole state without having to change the dial right that's right yeah, yeah and uh but but WYAB is the last of the Mohican almost in that in that industry, just like the local grocery is, just like all the other local small businesses that you have. And that's why Matt's so passionate, I think, about supporting those. 
and it gives us the freedom to say basically whatever we want to say. Within FCC, within guidelines. yeah, that's right. If we and and, and I don't I don't cuss a lot, so you know, it's not something I have to worry about. But um, you know, some of the hosts do more so outside of this radio. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we always have people on calls in, uh, you know, call-ins yeah, or, or in whatever. Can, yeah. yeah, try sneaking. So we always have that. We always have always have that dump button. We can yeah. always hit, you know, <laughs> to try to take that out before it goes out over the air. But basically, I mean, we, we have free reign to say what we want, and we speak the truth. And I think people enjoy that. Oh, you know? look, absolutely. Because I don't know that I could conform to to corporate radio. It's, I'm just not that guy. Yeah. I, what I do is very pirate radio. And, and yep. I'm allowed to, I mean, in my year and a half, almost two years there, January would be two, or February 1st would be two years. Started the first Monday in February. And <clears throat> Matt has never pulled me to the side and said, hey, man, you can't say that. You know, I, I think the only time he ever said anything to me was we were having a reception issue one day and um, somebody had texted in and said that they couldn't pick the radio, pick it up. And we repeated that on air and he didn't like that. You know, he's like, hey, don't, don't talk about the yeah. reception issue, you know, and he'd probably be mad at me now for saying it. But um, it was just one of those days. And he's like, yeah. never, never never do that. But as far as the content of the show, he is a huge supporter of letting the guest, I mean, the, the host, to their own detriment sometimes, yeah. do whatever they want. And he does not. We don't have meetings there, as you know. There's no all-staff sales meeting type. Yeah. Here's the direction we're going. That's why, you know, there were some people in the guest campaign, and <clears throat> I'm friends with a lot of these people, that, you know, they were – talking about the station and saying, oh, you got the station out there that's just damned and determined to, to go against uh, Michael. They, they just don't like Michael. And we never had a conversation about yeah. being against guests. It was just, hey, these are the things we're all upset about. And we, we're the resistance. Yeah. And the resistance is typically going to go against the mainstream uh, political party guy. Yeah. So I actually filled in for Mike for about a week, uh, right leading up to the election. The, the, I mean, I'm saying Mike, I'm referring to Michael guest, you know, right. No, I understand everybody out there. Yeah. So, uh, I I filled in for Mike Madison uh, on his show, uh, basically the week leading up to the, the Republican primaries, uh, here in Mississippi. And, uh, and, and Michael guest hadn't been on WIB at all. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I actually reached out, I've got a lot of friends that are supporters of Michael guest. And, you know, again, I kind of stayed out of the, you know, for, because of me working for the network, I stayed out of publicly endorsing anybody or doing anything publicly about the election. But I really wanted to, you know, show both sides. And so I have friends that were working with Guest or, you know, in his campaign. And so I called him, talked to him, and I actually talked to one of his campaign guys. And I said, hey, look, I'm filling in for Mike Madison. Be glad to have you on the show. Like, I'm going to have Michael Cassidy on the show, too, because he's already paid for time spots. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to be filling in for Mike Madison. And I was like, so he's going to be on it, too. I was like, but I'd love to have you on. You just speak your, you know, speak your word. It's like, I'm not trying to bring you on to hammer you. I'm not going to bring you. This isn't a trap or anything. I was like, I literally want people, the voters, to hear from you, too, on WYAB. I said, you should look at it, if nothing else, as going into the lion's den. I said, and people respect you more for it if you go into somewhere where you think people aren't going to like you and you stand your ground yeah. and talk about your principles. And uh, and unfortunately, he declined. Um, but, it, but I wanted him on for that reason. So now I say all that to say this. After all that, I was I was asked if I would be interested in coming to the office and having a meeting. And uh, I did. And we sat down for two hours. And he had a pad and a pen just like this. And he legitimately looked me across the table, eye to eye, he said, I was given some bad advice. And then we talked for two hours about the things that 
had salt in my vagina. Yeah. You know, that why? Because I, I probably fit the bill of a Mike Guest supporter out here in Rankin County. Like if Clay Edwards is off the reservation, how many other people are? Sure. And I, I will give him 100% credit here. He's supposed to come on the show at some point. That's neither here nor there. But they have followed up on those concerns I had. Good. And talked to me, you know, going out of the way to recommunicate with me and say, here's where we're at on these things. And you know what? What else can you ask for? Yeah. At, oh, the, at the end 100%. of the day, I was given an audience and I'm, it's, they have followed up with me on my concerns. I yeah. don't know what else you can ask for. He's my representative. Right. I want a seat at the table. Yeah. We no, should I, all I want a seat great. at the table. No, I think it's good. I mean, so, you know, when I was with AFP, um, when he, uh, I think he had been in about six months or so at that time, and I hadn't you know, sat down with him and met with him, so I reached out to him and I went and met with him too, and uh, you know, basically just told him said, "Hey, I'm not not asking for anything." You know, of course, you know, I was a lobbyist, but I wasn't asking for anything. I wasn't doing any federal lobbying. I was only state lobbying, so I wasn't asking for anything. I said, "Hey, I just want to sit down and talk with you." You know, we had a great conversation, um, and at the end of it, he was like, "So, are you?" You know, I didn't, when I met with him, I didn't say, Hey, I'm not asking for you any, you know, for anything. So we went in, we just had a good conversation at the end of it. He was like, so is there something that you're like here to ask for? I was like, no, man, I just want to meet with you and talk yeah. with you, get to know you because I want to know who you are. I lived here, you know, in Rankin County. So I was like, you're my representative too. I was like, not only do I work for this organization, but you know, you're my representative and I want to get to know you so that when I do need something, or I do want to ask you for something. I'm not just calling on you when I, you know, when I need something. And so I had a good conversation with him. And I have met with him since then. Um, but I hope that he goes up there. I hope he goes up there. I hope he takes good advice, better advice than he took last time. And I hope he kills it. Now, um, one of the one of the things we talked to him about was doing away with this cookie cutter um, politician vibe that looks like you know, he could be replaced by anybody in a suit with a, with family in a in, in a promo picture. Turn the Go to your Facebook, hit the live button to turn the camera on you and tell people what just happened yeah. on the floor. He took that advice and he's been using his Facebook live and, yeah. and communicating with people and letting people get to know this because he's a very nice guy. Yeah. I mean, he, he's not nearly as bland as the the campaign would have had you think he was. Right. I mean, he, he he's an outspoken, colorful, well-spoken dude. Obviously, he's well-spoken. I mean, he's a very intelligent guy. But you would have just thought it was very whitey tighty. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? And that's I mean, not, that's not the guy that I've got to know. This is the thing. If, if you look like you're very cookie cutter, cookie cutter and easy to replace, you will be. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what he saw. I mean, I, you know, I don't think that, um, you know, policy. So I look at policy. I mean, and I, you know, I'm a policy, um, you know, nerd when it comes to that. So I look at what they voted for, what they've supported, what they've done. Very few voters are doing that. Yeah. Um, but also looked at what Michael Cassidy was supporting and saying and doing. And, uh, you know, the first time I ever met Michael Cassidy was back about six months before the election. It was you know pretty soon after he had announced and I just happened to be in an event that he was at. So I went up and introduced myself to him. And I'll say he to me, he was not very impressive when I met him. When I met him the, for the first time, I started asking him some policy questions and he was unaware of some of the things I was asking. Him. He didn't know, you know what things meant. Um, so it just told me he was green. He did, you know, he's sure. not in a policy, doesn't know, you know, as much as I would like somebody to know if I was voting for them. Um, you know, Michael Guest has been around a long time. Uh, he was much more, um, you know, knowledgeable about policy issues and areas, but he's not voting that way. You know, he's not voting the way I would want him to. And I'll say, you know, uh, early on, I told you about, you know, we launched the State Freedom Caucus Network launched 
because of the U.S. House Freedom Caucus. Mississippi has zero U.S. House Freedom Caucus members in Congress. We have none. It's just uh, mind-boggling. I would love, I would love for Michael Guest to vote the way he needs to vote to become a U.S. House Freedom Caucus member. It's by invitation only. You don't just say, "Hey, I want to join," and they sure. let you join. It's by invitation only. But you get an invitation when you start voting the right way. Yeah, I mean, I know Cassidy spoke about wanting to be, and he was saying all the right things. And look, and I, I told Michael Guest this, and this is no knock at Michael Cassidy. He was very generous to me. Um. And I, I, hell, I probably told him this. My vote for him, honestly, was it was a protest vote yeah. against what I thought Guest wasn't talking about. Guest could have just came on with my show, Kim's show, Jameson's show, Mike's show, anybody's show, and said, hey, here, here's the deal with the January 6th thing. If nothing else, y'all would just shut up about it. Yeah. Here, here is the deal. And I, I know that there was two different – there was a commission and a panel, whatever it was. There was the thing going right. on now wasn't the same thing. It didn't matter. Yeah, that's right. And, and some of his stuff is bad timing, too. Gas high as hell. The country's going to shit. Excuse my language. Just everything. This is and uncensored, man. I think it you is. say that. We're not it, on the radio. It is. It is uncensored. No beep here. Um, so it, it was bad timing yeah. for him. Well, so this and was his primary. Thing. Tune him up a little bit. Yeah, no. Well, it's the thing I told some uh, some of his you know people that were working with him during his campaign is, one, uh, number one rule of campaigns is you either run unopposed or scared. He didn't run either. He had an opponent, and he wasn't running scared. He thought, oh, who's this Michael Cassidy guy? He's you know got no money. He's a nobody. Nobody's going to vote for him. I can slide through this thing into my reelection. And so, you know, I mean, that's campaign 101. So you go, you, know, you go take any campaign course at a university, and they're going to tell you, if you have an opponent, you have to run like he's the best opponent you've ever had. Michael Guest didn't do that. The other thing Michael Guest didn't do uh, that hurt him severely was, again, like I talked about earlier with our Mississippi House Freedom Caucus members, when they take a vote that their constituency do not agree with, they have to be open and honest about why they took the vote. So Michael Guest, you know, later on, after after so much talk had been during the campaign of him voting for the January 6th commission, he started trying to explain himself. You can't wait till everybody already has their own narrative. Yeah. Somebody else pushed the narrative. Mm -hmm. Then he's trying to do cleanup. If when he takes a hard vote, like January 6th commission, when he took a vote like that, he needs to come back immediately and say, let me tell you why I took that vote. This wasn't the full on blown commission. This was just the first, um, you know, investigative uh, panel or whatever and it was. It was somebody to have a Republican representative yeah. on the panel. I mean, it wasn't all and, Democrats. You know, he witch was, hunt. Right. He came out and said, you know, look. And we I'm, got Liz Cheney. <laughs> yeah. You know, he came out and said, look, I'm a man of law and order. I believe in the judicial system, basically. And I wanted that. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to you know, if, if Donald Trump was, you know, innocent, let him be proven innocent. If he's guilty, let him be proven in, uh, guilty. You know, so I wanted to be able to at least put into order an investigation so that we could see before we called the full on you know, blown uh, panel or whatever it was uh, or the commission. Uh, so if he would have said that early on when he took the vote, he went on Facebook live and said, look, I just took a hard vote. Let me tell you based on my principles, why I took this vote. If this turns into anything other than that, I will vote against it. And you may have had people say, I don't agree with that. You should have shut it down. You should have shut it down from the very beginning. 
They can say they disagree with him based on his principles, but if he voted for based on his principle, they'll at least respect that he did it. But when you don't tell anybody, when you're not verbal to your constituency of why you voted for something, and I'm talking about if it's big enough, you need to do town halls. Mm-hmm. So the Mississippi Freedom Caucus guys voted against teacher pay raise. You want to talk about you know, some blowback. Yeah, Those guys were getting hammered every which way from their district because they voted against a teacher pay raise. But they went, they went immediately went to social media, immediately put out press release, immediately put, you know, uh, 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 letters to the editor in their papers, immediately went back home over the weekends and did town halls, talking to people, meeting with people and telling them why they voted against the teacher pay raise. And they said, we voted against teacher pay raise, one, because it's unmerit based. We were giving the worst of the worst teachers the same pay raise of the best of the best. We believe in a free market system. We believe in actually paying people what they're worth. And you're talking about giving the best of the best teachers only as much raise as you're giving the worst of the worst. So all you're going to do is make the best of the best teachers mad, and you're going to make the worst of the worst teachers pay just as much as the best. Look, you know, there's a whole slew of other reasons why they did it. but I took an unpopular stance through COVID and all that, that I, I realized that a, a lot of our teachers are as bad as a lot of our nurses and they don't deserve a raise. Now there's a lot to do. And, and of course you, nobody ever hears that point. Right. They just hear, you don't, you, you think, right. you think nurses suck and you think teachers don't deserve a pay raise. And that's not what I said. Right. You know, it's like, I always say, if you know, I'm not talking to you, I'm not yeah. talking to you. But there's a lot of people out there that are, I, I would rather, instead of a teacher get a $4,000 pay raise, get an $8,000 pay raise. For the ones keep, that deserve it. And, and, and keep the, or even more. I, you know, I, I don't think there should be a glass ceiling. Right. You know, I think you should be able to earn as much as you possibly can based on your pay plan um, on your on your job performance. Right. Just like me in sales. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. You ask some, some good teachers, and we all know very good teachers. Mm-hmm. Go talk to the good teachers that you know, that you know that they're busting their, you know, their rump every day trying to make sure that their their students get the best education possible. You go ask those teachers, say, do you know any bad teachers? Every one of them is going to say, oh, yeah, I know bad teachers. Like, do they work as hard as you? No, they don't work as hard as me. I'm up here before sunlight, here after dark. I go home. I spend time with my family. Once my kids go to bed, I'm grading papers. I get up before my kids wake up, grading papers, doing lesson plans, doing whatever. Like, well, that bad teacher you know, are they doing any of that? No, they're not doing any of that. Like, would you understand that you're, you are busting it and they just got the same pay raise as you? Yeah. It, it, it's gotta, what do you think it's, about that? It's gotta be I mean, terrible. so there's lots of reasons and, and there, there were other reasons too why that was, why the teacher pay raise was bad policy. It was just bad policy. And, uh, and we, the Mississippi Freedom Caucus tried in, in committee to offer amendments to make it better. And they were all thrown out. Nobody wanted to, you know, consider them. Nobody wanted to rock the boat. Nobody wanted to even bring up the bad side of why this bill was, you know, a bad bill. But the Mississippi Freedom Caucus guys voted against it. I went down this rabbit hole all to say that when they took a hard vote, knowing that they would get backlash from it, from their constituents, what did they do? They immediately went on a campaign, a PR campaign, telling everybody why they voted for it. So all of a sudden you had all these teachers that were mad at them because they voted against the race for them. And then they said, but we believe you deserved a better raise and that bad teacher didn't deserve any raise. And now all of a sudden you have teachers that were saying, well, I still don't agree with it, but I understand your position and why you voted that way. And I appreciate you being principled. You should not be again. Able, you should not be able to fail upwards, right? 
So they, hey, you know, so carry that for one second. I don't want to end this, but I've got to use the restroom. Oh man. Go, go 60 right. seconds without. Okay. So look, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking to the crowd now. So that's my thing. That has always been my thing is we want politicians who are principled no matter what, because if they're principles I don't agree with, that's fine. I don't have to agree with everything I mentioned earlier. Democrats, I don't agree with the Democrats the majority of the time at the, the at the Capitol, but I know where they stand every time because, believe it or not, Democrats at the Capitol, the Mississippi State Capitol, under the dome, are more principled than the Republicans are. If they stay principled, I don't have to fight them over anything. The Republicans who aren't principled, who vote for however leadership tells them to vote, you never know which way they're going to go. Um, and it's the same thing. So we, I went down this rabbit hole because of Michael Guest. Again, I think Michael Guest, one of his downfalls was he didn't talk about the bad votes. He didn't talk about the bad votes. So he let the the people, his constituents, who weren't hearing from him, push the narrative of why they thought he voted for something bad. And so then again, he, you know, so he had all these things come out. He had, you know, other people pushing the narrative. He didn't do a good a good job of getting in front of the narrative that the public is pushing against him or about him. He didn't run his first, you know, uh, the up to the runoff of the Republican primary. He wasn't running. He was doing a few Politico events, uh, but he really wasn't, you know, getting out, talking to the people. And again, I mentioned earlier, people, the average voters, working, going home, spending time with their family, going to church on Sunday, and they go and do it all over again. If you if you want to reach the people, you got to find them where the people are. You you can't go to these political events. You can't go to the uh, you know the Rankin County uh, breakfast. You, know, you can't go to the the Grip and Grin in Madison County and think that you're going to reach the voters. And that's about all Michael Guest did. Yep. It, um, it, so I think he got absolutely. I think he got uh, a wake up call. Uh, I think that he realize very quickly all the things he had done wrong. Um, and I hope that he does. And, and, you know, based on what you're saying and you talking to him, it seems like he's, you know, he's realized what he's got to do. Um, I hope that that leads into him not only doing the right things as far as what he needs to do to get reelected again in 24, but I hope that also means that he starts voting the right way. And that's, what's more important. Um, I would be more than happy to sit down with Michael Guess and, and uh, give him a path to becoming a House Freedom Caucus member. But it means he's got to vote the right way. He, that means he, he can't vote how leadership tells him to vote every time. He can't just vote with the pack every time. He's got to stand apart. He's got to sometimes, you know, not play ball and not compromise. Yeah. You know, make people mad every now and You got to make people mad every now and then. But you know what? That some of the House Freedom Caucus, some of the, the most um, – the loudest House Freedom Caucus, Lauren Boebert, uh, Chip Roy out of Texas is, is a firecracker, and people love him. Um, I mean, those guys are tearing it up, and people love them. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I think you and I, or maybe me and Mike and you, some we discussed the DeSantis model yeah. and the Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene and these kind of firebrands. So DeSantis was actually one of the uh, um, – founding members of the U.S. House Freedom Caucus as well when he was in Congress. Very good stuff so, there. I did, was yeah. not aware of that. You know, uh, like my problem with Tate and, and, and Guest, and w- for example, is they, Tate especially, 
he just polls and polls and he, he it's like he's running two weeks late yeah every time he decides to take a strong stance on something it's like he has to do two weeks worth of polling yeah to decide if people want him to take that stance instead of just firing off yeah and maybe that's a negative to some people but for me i don't need you to poll and and, and craft a narrative i want to know exactly what you think the day that it's front page news that's right not not two weeks later when you're decided okay it's going to be popular if i do this right i mean even during covid so you're looking at uh you know greg abbott in texas you know was was you know kind of ahead of the pack DeSantis certainly was christy Nome, who by the way is not even close to being a conservative i know that's going to hurt some people's feelings no, no, but she, she is not. not a conservative um we have a we have a freedom caucus in south dakota that's part of the network and they constantly constantly fought fight christy Nome on her leftist you know, woke agenda, uh, but she plays that very good conservative sweetheart on national news. And we were talking about her being potential for a VP and this, that, and the, I would, I would rather have Tulsi man, Gabbard than I would. No kidding. Her. Um, and, and I've got a lot of bad things to say about t- Tulsi. Indeed. I mean, she, she does, you know, she, she gets right on, you know, on a number of things, but she Can't just do the abortion is bad. Thing. Um, but I mean, you had, you know, just looking at it though, from the surface, you had Greg Abbott, you had Christy Nome, and you had uh, DeSantis who all three, were you know just you know in the media owning the media because of basically just opening things up well people forget that DeSantis actually closed florida the literally closed the borders yeah. of florida i mean and he gets forgiven for that or he gets forgotten because of once he uh, looked at the science and the data and says okay this is here's how we're going to do things right yeah, well, I mean, you know, and I think I think people do forget that because look, when something happens, when you know, when something unknown happens, sometimes you have to take time to sit there and think about it. Now, I would side on the, you know, I would side on on liberty and say, well, let's just let everybody keep doing whatever they're doing until we figure this thing out, not lock them down until we figure sure. it out. But either way, those three those three governors basically came out very early on and said, no, we're not playing ball with this anymore. Let's open the state back up and get our economy rolling. Well, Tate Reeves could have been right there with them. Tate Reeves had everything in his power that he could have been on national news right there along with them. No, he waited till, you know, six weeks after anybody else did anything before he made a decision to do anything. Well, didn't he have to quarantine at the very beginning of it because he'd been out of the country at a soccer tournament or something? And then the, I don't like, know. the first two weeks, everybody's like, where's Tate? And apparently he'd been quarantined, if my memory serves me correctly. Yeah, I don't know. But no reason that. you can't pick up the phone or do exactly what we're sure. doing now. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, so, I, I, but you would at least think that these guys would say, man, this seems to be working really well for DeSantis. Maybe I should, even if I don't all the way mean it, maybe try that. Yeah. Even if it's not your, like Tate's clearly not a DeSantis when it comes to firecracker personality. Yeah. But you could say, you know, people like that. Now he is doing more of it now, you know, with some of the things he's doing, his actions are speaking louder than his words. Now I loved what he said in Hattiesburg the other day about any day's a good day not to be in Jackson. Oh yeah. I mean, why would it not be? Twitter blew up over that too. And I thought, you know, I don't know why, but on Twitter, uh, I don't have that many followers on Twitter. Uh, but for some reason, I always see all these progressive wokes in Mississippi, yeah. you know, uh, lambasting what the last conservative did. And not that we have that many true conservatives in Mississippi, but um, American Conservative Union rates us as a purple state. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they were, they were lambasting him over saying that. And I'm like, 
90% of these people who are, you know, giving him a hard time about saying he didn't want to be in Jackson, you also don't live in Jackson. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. chose not to live in Jackson because you wanted fresh water. You wanted garbage pickup. Yeah. You don't you don't want the the I mean, your crazy high taxes. I mean, to live in Hines County or the city of Jackson, you, know, you go buy a new, new car, your license plate's going to cost you more than your first uh, higher payment. Higher anywhere else in the state, and you get less in return for it than anywhere well, in what you state. get is a bunch of potholes. Yeah. You know, I mean, so it, it's crazy that nobody wants to live in Jackson. No, if you live in Jackson right now, it's, it, you're, you're stuck. It, you're, you're not going to go spend a three, $400,000 on a house in Eastover or leftover because you, you have other options. Yeah. If you can go spend a quarter million plus on a house, you have other options. Yeah. Why in God's name? Would you go do it? And I do run into the occasional person and God bless them. They're like, well, I want to be an agent of change. And I want to, I was like, don't do it. Yeah. You're not going to be that agent of change. Yeah. You can't. So I had a friend of mine that, uh, enough of you. I, I graduated Ole Miss with, and, uh, he was originally from Memphis, but he moved down here for a job after we graduated and he lived in Jackson for a few years. And that was his, when he first moved down to Jackson, he was like, man, I love this Fondren area. Like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, we're gonna be part of the revitalization of, uh, you know, kind of North Jackson, the Fondren area. And he thought it was cool, and he bought a house for like, you know, ninety thousand dollars. And it was, you know, I bought a house out here in uh, Rankin County, and my house was about forty five thousand dollars more than his, and his was twice the house mine was. And I was like, man, you you got to start looking at things. Like if you're able to buy a house that much cheaper than mine, there's probably a reason for mm -hmm. it. And uh, so he ended up living there about four years. And his house was broken two or three times. His car was broken into. He finally got to where he left his, his car doors unlocked. To not have to break for windows. So they're not breaking windows yeah. out. Um, you know, the the he had a good security system. And so he was, you know, he worked downtown. So he would get an alert on his security, you know, on his phone that somebody was breaking into his house again. He'd go down there and JPD was pulling somebody out of a window, you know, <laughs> climbing through. And he was this guy this one time at least the, the guy was armed had a gun on him and the jpd officer was literally pulling him out of the window um i mean he finally said you know he he was married and uh when he started having children he said we can't live here no we're gonna do this so he moved to madison yeah look what um, happened look what happened to uh megan west and uh ben allen's son and yeah and that's just one example and i mentioned her because she's a high profile person right i mean that they, they don't discriminate in jackson they will they will absolutely rob and kill and, you know, yep. violate anybody. Knock on wood, man. I've never had my house broken into in my time in Jackson, but that would feel like the most violating thing as far as possessions go yep. outside of God forbid your wife be raped or killed or something like that. I mean, that's obviously the worst nuclear option there, but just, you know, not feeling like, like somebody violated your house while you're not there. And this yeah. should, should be just part, a way of life. No, it shouldn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, the cost to play in the game. Yeah. I mean, I look, I, I don't have that big of a, you know, draw to want to live anywhere that I would sacrifice the safety of me and my family to live there. I have Jackson, Mississippi tattooed on my arm and I caught the first bus out of that some bitch. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I waited to the to the to the very end. I always joke around. I cut the lights off when I left. As far as uh, conservatives still in Jackson, there's a few. My dad, mom, and uh, Kingfish is still there. Kim Wade's still there, and I think I named all of them. Yeah, on one hand, with a finger left of people that are conservatives and still there. Yeah, Robert Kenny. Do you know Robert? No. Okay. Yeah. He, he's, he's around some of our circles. So he's still there and he's one of the old timers. He wants mm -hmm. to stay there and, you know, he wants to, you know, better Jackson. But at some point you gotta, you know, you, you either gotta be the captain going down with the ship or you gotta, you know, bail out. And 
self-preservation after a point when you realize that the people in charge when there, there is no hope yeah i mean people can say whatever oh well, you're giving up there's always hope there's not yeah. not, not short of a state takeover there is no hope for, yeah, for so jackson circling back to that a state takeover you know we mentioned that i don't you know i don't think my dollars my tax dollars should go to trying to support their bad decisions for so long try to save jackson yeah i'm not a save jackson kind of guy <laughs> yeah you know, I don't, you know, let, let Jackson figure its own out. Sure. And I don't, I, I'm not actually one, you know, there's a lot of guys that I've got, you know, very, I've got conservative friends that live in Jackson, you know, in, in Fondren area, other areas, you know, the nicer parts of Jackson um, that want to save Jackson. They want, they think that we need a, um, you know, a, a very uh, vibrant capital city for our for our state wow. that that's that's required that we if we, without a vibrant capital city the entire state suffers i don't believe that people always talk about oh, well, the, the arts the arts the arts just produce a bunch of liberals yeah you know that, that have this, they're the reason that we've gotten into this and clearly not all the arts but catch all here you know the music it's all just buildings yeah you can move buildings you can build new buildings they ain't got to be these big monolithic ordeals that cost us no telling how much money to in, in upkeep every year yeah. go get one of these abandoned walmart sam's clubs something like that throw all the legislators in there they can still get the same stuff done with all the pomp and circumstance yeah you can move right. the capital it yeah. ain't that hard oh well i mean I, again i just don't Probably think benefit that, I, don't, I don't think that that's what's i mean the, it doesn't matter people aren't gonna move here mm-hmm. because they want a vibrant capital city if people are gonna move here why people will move into the state it has lower taxes, lower regulations on businesses. They have less red tape to start and run a business. You know, you have good areas to live in with less crime. Clean that's water. why clean water, you know, I mean, that's why people are going to move here, not because of a vibrant capital city. No, people that say that are, are looking for a hustle. Yeah. You know, like how can I benefit from the vibrant capital city? Yeah, you know that that's my thought process on that. I don't, I don't know. Look, I it, to, 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 it is what it is with Jackson. Obviously, my whole platform was based on Save Jackson, but it, I was referring to empty <laughs> buildings. You know, it was a, it started out as an urban exploration page. You know, like I would go and walk through these abandoned buildings. It was yeah. like save the building, save my memories as, of growing yeah. up here. It wasn't, and now it's save yourself from Jackson. <laughs> but it was never been. It's never been about, I think we should invest a bunch of tax dollars into Jackson. Yeah. I would like to see the community that constantly talks about um, Jackson versus everybody and black on this and black on that. Well, go black on something. Yeah. yeah I mean, just go, go invest into your community. I mean, I, I, I get it. The black owned thing and not to drag you into a, a racial thing at all. I've always been a supporter of the black owned concept because to me what they're saying is, especially in their communities is American owned. Sure. Because a lot of their communities have been bought out by, uh, foreigners and all that to run the gas stations and the stores and this, that, and the other. And they're at least maybe I'm wrong. I've had this conversation with a few of them and they tell me I'm not wrong, but that's on an individual basis. It, they're, they're really saying American owned, not so much black owned, but it's how, kind of how they say American owned. Like our, our demographic says American owned. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought about, uh, you know, your sticker says save Jackson. You can change that to say save yourself from Jackson. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, uh, one of the movies, uh, one of the Wayne brothers movies I saw had a stop sign. It was in the hood and had a stop sign and somebody had written on it. I wouldn't stop if yeah. I were you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's pretty much it. But 
Yeah, man. I, like I said, I, you know, I grew up in Rankin County, uh, lived down in Lamar County for six years. Uh, when I worked there in Hattiesburg, I've always been, you know, County in Lamar County, Rankin County, are very similar, uh, in their makeup of people and being kind of outside of that big city, um, has everything you need in the County. So I, born and raised, you know, basically here in, uh, Rankin County, I'll probably live here in Rankin County unless something calls me out. But if Rankin County becomes Jackson, bye. I'll yeah, be glad to leave. If I leave Jackson, I'll damn sure leave Rankin County. <laughs> I was in Jackson for 42 years. I'm my 45. I'm 40. I'm 45. I've been out here for a little bit. March will be March will be two years, or March was two years. But either way, that, I'm just glad to see you come to Rankin long. County instead yeah. of Madison County. We're we're a little bit better over here. Now, look, I, Madison's never been my my thing. I mean, it's nice out there. There's a bunch of houses, but if I was going to live somewhere, Rankin County, I tell you what, I. I grew up with the Shankses and I was talking to Doug, Fred's dad and Sims dad too. Um, shout out to Sims working for the Capitol police, actually helping to save Jackson. Yeah. Um, I was talking to I, the very first person I interviewed when I started doing this was Mr. Doug. I went over to his house, sat down. We just told war stories, you know, about when he was commissioner of Jackson and all that. And I said, man, what is the place around here nowadays that reminds you the most of South Jackson circa 1989? He said, right here in brandon mississippi and that stuck so when the opportunity came up to finally leave jackson hashtag um this is where i wanted to be and i started in cross gates and it does reminded me of that that south jackson neighborhood before democrat death culture took over and it still does out here i go places i know i know people it has to be what it was like if i had been 40 in 1989 in south jackson yeah and everybody knows everybody it's just it's got a little mayberry vibe to it but with the way the downtown is but it's big enough that you're not always up in each other's business yeah you know and i mean i, I love it out here and i think the mayor's done a great job i think everybody out here uh sheriff ron bailey done a great job i i'm not coming to nitpicking you know like when a california voter is moving to texas I'm not going to Jackson up there, Brandon. Yeah, please don't. You know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> I, I, res- I, I'm here because they did a much better job of politic in this place than the place I came from did. Yeah. I'm not going to come over here and screw it up. Yeah. No, I really like Brandon. I mean, one, so I actually grew up in the 047 Brandon. Yeah. You know, and, uh, so when it was 042 then when I, when I grew up, I forgot what time it changed or sometime maybe when I was in high school, they, they started the 047. They, you know, split the zip code. Mm hmm. Um, it's a little more transient over there nowadays than it, you know, especially yeah. in the old well, like, Fannin area. Right. Yeah. And I don't mean that as a bad thing necessarily. It's just, it's a little different vibe over there. And to, to me, it's kind of the reservoir Fondren. Yeah. Without the, without the, the bad crime. And I, again, I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. More of but a yeah, conservative but I, so I, mean, I, I live over here in the 042 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, and I like it over here. I mean, one thing about Brandon that's nice is you can jump on the interstate and get to anywhere. It, you know, so easy to jump on the interstate, hit 55. You want to go north. You want to, you know, man, you know, I got a lot of friends moving out to North Madison, the Gluckstadt area. Man, that is not where I want to be. No. And if it's in a, the, you know, I think they finally got the money to do the, the, the 55 expansion out there. That's going to be a disaster for the foreseeable future. Yeah, we, we finally got 49 fixed. So. I, know. <laughs> I know. Look, I was working on 49 when that started and it put a lot of places out of business. Yeah. You know, I mean, not, you know, most small businesses, contrary to what Democrats believe are, uh, the, run week to week, month to month. If they're really lucky, yeah. um, they cannot take body blow after body blow. That's why I see people talking shit about, uh, bobble, bobble didn't shut down because of the water. Well, it damn sure didn't help. <laughs> 
What do you mean they didn't show you? You had to add five hundred dollars a day to ice to clean ice over three hundred and fifty sixty five days a year. Do the math. Yep. You know, I, I would gladly take a five hundred dollar a day pay raise. Yeah. So I went. Uh, I went to meet a guy, a representative of town, for breakfast. It's been a couple of weeks ago, and I uh, went and met him. We were going to meet at the the farmers market. You know, right there by the mm-hmm. the, the fairgrounds where they do it. Well, it's supposed flea to open, market. Yeah, the flea market. Yeah, it's supposed to open at uh, seven a.m. And so I was there at seven a.m. to meet him, and we could see people working in there, but they you know were banging on the door. They wouldn't open it, and so we finally said, well, "Let's just go down to the Waffle House." So we went down to the Waffle House on on High Street, and uh, literally walked in, and they they said, uh, "They said, what would you like to drink?" I said, "Well, I'll take you know water and uh, coffee." They said, well, we only have bottled water. I said, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. And they came back and said, well, actually, we're out of bottled water, too. I was like, uh, would you like a soft drink? I was like, I guess, what do you have? And they said, we have Diet Coke or Sprite. <laughs> can. Can. I, I was like, all right. I didn't realize the Waffle House was still open down there, man. Oh, yeah. But good. I mean, what, look, when they closed the one on McDowell, that was the very first picture I ever posted to Save Jackson. Save Jackson was a page I had called Jackson Miss Promo. And after I got out of the nightclub business, I had this page that I used to promote my nightclub. And I had it. It sat there for three years without a single post on it, but it had about 3,000 people on it. I said, man, I don't know if I want to post this on my personal page. Let me just post a picture of this Waffle House here. And it went, it got like 500 shares. I'd never had nothing get shared yeah. 500 times. And I started posting a few more pictures. And that's where the, I said, I'm going to change the name to Save Jackson. You know, because I'd rather people not know it's me. And uh, anyway, the, the the first the closed Waffle House was the first yeah. thing that I posted a picture of, and it's like, shit, if Waffle House closes, it's bad, bro. Yeah. So have you heard this thing with Waffle House? Waffle House, uh, the hurricane. Uh, yeah, storm stuff, yeah, yeah. That's right. So they're they're lit like they have so much talking about. Um, you know, we we're talking about like logistics of businesses. Waffle House, they their logistics are so good, and they have like full time meteorologists on staff yeah. at corporate Waffle House that are looking at these things, and they're so much better than a lot of the news media outlets, meteorologists that literally those guys will watch, like Weather Channel will watch Waffle House to see how bad it's going to be. Well, like your state EOCs and stuff, your your, your MEMAs of yeah. other states, yeah. they, they will lean on the Waffle House people and say, okay, as far as like boots on ground, what's it like there? Is there power? Uh, blah, blah, blah. They lean a lot into the Waffle House. I know a girl named Beth. Um, I went to church with her and did the Celebrate Recovery stuff with her. She was a part of Waffle House's disaster team where they would fly into the areas. Yeah. And she was a higher up. And she, uh, I mean, she ran a store here. I mean, like legit, like GM, district yeah. manager. But she was a waitress on the disaster things or cook or whatever they needed her to do. So they'd jump on and they'd fly to wherever hurricanes and natural disasters went. And I thought, that needs to be a documentary one day about that. Because I just, Waffle House has got a, there's some cool little uh, documentaries made by people like me and you, you know, yeah. just average people. But, Somebody should really do a true documentary about Waffle House and the good that they do. And I think people's perception of Waffle House will well, change. They, they have, you know, they have like a whole fleet of uh, food trucks too mm-hmm. that they go into a disaster area. So, like, even if their Waffle House building is swept away, they'll bring their food trucks yep. in and give out free food out of their food trucks. Yeah. You know, to disaster areas was pretty cool. You know, it, it is. And, you know, it's, it's another Southern tradition started right there in Atlanta. Of yep. all places, you know, Chick Fil A, Chick Fil A, and Waffle House both started in uh, that Atlanta, Middle Atlanta area. Yeah, and another pitch for Brandon. We have two Waffle Houses if you're interested. We we do, <laughs> and look, 
And and honestly, unless you catch it right after a concert at the amphitheater, neither one are ever so packed you can. Yeah. And I'm very warm natured, so I like it cold. They 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 keep the air frigid, and that's so people won't sit there and hang out all night. But tricks on them. I will <laughs> hang out in there all night because I love it freezing cold. Yeah. But you know, I, I, look, I love it out here. I'm glad that um, I got talked into coming out here. And I, look, I, I it's. Jackson has become this huge postcard for don't move here. Uh, you would think that the people that worked for the city are actually the convention of visitors bureau for the surrounding areas. And uh, we'll see what happens. Man. Yeah. And I, I, I just don't see it getting any better, especially when you hear about the corruption. I mean, look at the garbage stuff and we could go on and on all night about it, but we're just kind of dog chasing our tail here. Uh, Democrats bad. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but I mean, they just keep finding new and creative ways. I said this on my show the other day. It's like, let's look at this okay let's turn to the page what haven't we screwed up yet yeah we so our our police we can't get anybody to come to our police uh join our police force uh the, the guys that we have may be great but they're so understaffed we're not doing a good job there we don't have water we don't have garbage we don't have schools uh, our taxes are outrageous the, uh if the you, Hines county judicial system look what they did with anthony fox the cop that they yep guy sitting in jail for murder and I would neither a whole nother conversation, but nothing says, Hey, police, you don't want to come work here. Yeah. Yes. I mean, what, what do they have? What, I mean, what, what drives people to want to go to Jackson? Nothing. I mean, it ain't schools. It's nothing. I've had this conversation. I don't know how the fact that this mayor won reelection on the fact that he's done the complete opposite of what would be considered a good job on every single important issue other than just being black for a living. Um, I, I'd be embarrassed if, if I, mean, I was had, black. He had like seven, yeah. seven opponents or something like that. Did he? Yeah. How many did he have? I mean, he had a, a it, slew of them. It was and, a lot of them. And, and he overwhelmingly won. I don't even, you know, it wasn't like three percent. Yeah. Wasn't anybody even close. <laughs> you know, they had the, they had the black votes matter machine behind them. And when people hear me, they, they say, well, you sure, sure, you sure talk about black people a lot. Well, black people talk about themselves a lot and, and their blackness. So I just, I don't have a problem. You, they use it all the time. I don't have a problem acknowledging it. Well, black, black lives matter is yep. a Marxist organization. Yep. Um, the mayor is a Marxist. I mean, self-proclaimed. I mean, he, you know, you know, I mean, he's a Marxist. So it makes sense that they would come and back him. You know, Candace Owens documentary about the, called the greatest lie ever told about the BLM comes out tomorrow on the daily wire plus, and I've been paying $15 a month for no telling how long waiting went to come out. And I try, I'd like to support people who support the things I like, so I don't mind paying it, but it comes out tomorrow and I highly recommend everybody that has an opportunity to watch it uh, is pay, pay the $15, even if it ain't for one month. Yeah. And you're going to be mind boggled, boondoggled even at how much of that money went to LGBTQ element P Marxist organizations and not a penny of it went to inner city black yep. organization with the drag queen happy hour and all that stuff. I mean, then, damn, that matters to me. You know, yep. I, if it was meant to help the black community, like legitimately rebuild black businesses, create black businesses, man, I'd be all for it, but that's not what they're doing with yep. it. They're, they're pushing their agenda. Well, brother, uh, I really appreciate you. Appreciate yeah, you coming over tonight it. and uh, open invitation. You don't live five minutes from me. We can do this more often. Um, we can do it on the radio whenever you want to. We'll see how many downloads there are. If there aren't, aren't many downloads, and we'll know we. We'll, so I'm, I, I'm. We're doing it live, and I can't see while we're live how many people are watching. But where this will do well is the is the rewatches and yeah. the people who were able to watch it on their time. And hey, I apologize for the dogs. Oh and man, for the for the phone. This is the difference in uh, being a one man army. 
doing it live yeah. and versus a Joe Rogan that has a producer and it's pre-recorded. They can edit things out. You know, it's live radio, baby. It's That's only right. rock and roll. That's know? right. All right, Stephen, tell people yeah. how they can find you on social. Yeah, fine. so the best place to find me is just libertystephen.com. So Stephen's with a V, libertystephen.com. And from there, you can find you know more information about me, but you can also find all my social medias, Facebook, Twitter, uh, the such, and you can reach out to me there. But follow me. Uh, you can also catch me on WYAB 103.9 from 9 to 11. I'm filling in for the Mike Madison show for uh, at least the foreseeable future yeah. <laughs> until we hear back from Mike. Mike's gone MIA for the time being. Yeah, Mike has been doing uh just for people that do want to know, Mike is uh he, he's a storm storm insurance, in, insurance adjuster, adjuster yeah. for like roofing and for the, her insurance companies in disaster areas. And when you have a disaster the size of uh, Ian, that's going to have somebody like Mike uh, preoccupied. We we wish him the best. Hope he yep. makes a ton of money. Yeah, no, I, I do too. I think he's yeah. You know, I have I really haven't talked to him uh, in a couple of weeks, so I hope he's doing well. <laughs> yeah, the, the, well, the nine to eleven time slots in uh, in great shape, and uh, look, we appreciate everybody. Um, I know it's a uh, Tuesday night. It's getting late. Everybody's got work tomorrow. Danny says, uh, thank you everybody that, t- that commented too. We didn't really get into your comments tonight, yeah. but uh, they, they, ha- they haven't gone unseen. I appreciate everybody. I saw that we have Brian flowers yeah. running for Benny's seat. Yeah. He, he's in there tonight. Uh, Danny white, some other folks that I know, just shout out to everybody in there. Appreciate y'all. And uh, look, we, we will be doing this more often. I just can't commit to telling you an exact time and night all the time. Uh, when you do live radio every day, it, it, it's hard to commit to doing live streaming every night. Yep. So, all right, y'all stay safe, stay blessed, and uh, be sure to hit share on this wherever. And the podcast will be available here shortly before you wake up in the morning. The audio-only podcast will be available too. Stay safe. Peace. <laughs>